to another episode of Behind the Sermon. My name is Pastor Tito, and I get to share with you a little bit of what I learned and lived in light of and in preparation to this previous, yeah, this previous Sunday when it came to my sermon that is directed to singles or people who might find themselves single in the future. And so what I want to do today is start off like I do with opening up with my Fast Five. So my fast five are just five really quick things about this week. Number one, uh, like I've been mentioning in the last couple of weeks, we have been playing a lot of different board games with the family, just trying to do things that are different uh, than the analog video, just getting the kids to interact, speak and talk. And there was a game that we introduced that they've been hooked on, and it's called Siete y Media, which is seven and a half. It's just a card game, think blackjack, but instead of going to 21, you go to seven and a half. And Apparently, we found out that's an Italian game. I had no clue. I mean, I only knew Hispanics who played it. I don't have a lot of, I guess, Italian friends like that. So I just knew Hispanics played it. But apparently, it's Italian. And so that was kind of fun. We got to do that. I also got to pull my birthday card in that uh, we celebrate our birthday weeks. All right. And so I took that from my wife. And I wanted the kids to watch a documentary. And so we watched together this documentary called In Search of Greatness on Amazon Prime. And that was one mainly analyzing three of some of the greatest athletes that have ever played their position. I mean, Pele for soccer, uh, Jerry Rice as a wide receiver for the NFL, Wayne Gretzky in hockey. And I, I had seen it previously and I thought it was really cool, kind of inspiring and kind of interesting. A lot of the nuggets that made these greats great that you can apply to really anything in life. And uh, really cool. And I mean, there was a lot of, um, uh, you can make some biblical associations as well, but I thought it was very practical. So I wanted the kids to watch it, you know, having them and hopefully planting seeds inside of them in order to think of the future. You know, what are they trying to do? You know, I don't want to raise no bums. Me and my wife don't. Um, but I always give them this uh, kind of lesson, this like little bottom line. Feel free to use it if you want to. But I always tell them a couple things. Number one, hard uh, complaining makes hard work harder. All right. Complaining makes hard work harder and which makes it take longer. And uh, number two, which I use for this one is I wanted the kids to understand and me and my wife want to make sure we always communicate that we don't care if they become the best at something. We don't want to drive them unnecessarily to this high expectation of something that they can't achieve um, or something unrealistic. But we always tell them that. I always forgot. We always tell them that we don't want you to be the best as much as we care about you doing your best. And and if they can do their best, they will get better. They will grow maturity and they will be the greatest version of themselves. Kind of like having this, you know, me versus myself or you versus you as the ultimate competition. So I thought that was cool. Uh, We had uh, Valentine's Day was obviously this last week and we uh, celebrated really kind of a, a chill uh, chill Valentine's Day, kind of making our own uh, crab and lobster at the house, which was fun to be able to do. You know, Alicia killed it, like always, um, in her elements, which she, yeah, she did it all. Uh, but I helped in some other stuff and doing different things. So that was really nice to just kind of enjoy our house, and which is something we've uh, prided on trying to do, is trying to maximize those little moments, not feeling like you know, if in order to experience something, we have to go somewhere, which is great to be able to go to a dinner and go to some places like that. Um, but to try to make the best of things. And so we always want to make sure that we're creating a home in which we just love to be in. And so uh, that was pretty cool. And so it was kind of interesting, you know, celebrating Valentine's Day, reflecting 
on how I had just preached on marriage and then prepping on singleness. So that that was a really interesting uh, moment for us to have some uh, conversations uh, around this week as well. Uh, I think it was Friday. I had to uh, swing by my parents' house, and uh, they they do something in which uh, me and Alicia love to do as well, which is learning to repurpose and be resourceful. And so they're just kind of moving some things around the house, and instead of throwing it away, they're putting it in different places of the house in order to either make room for something new or just to kind of switch things up. And it's kind of crazy when you just kind of make those little adjustments, how, you know, something that was played out or old just kind of comes to life again. Um, we were, we, we've done that plenty of times. I mean, there's uh, things like this. I mean, even that little shelf right there was just kind of repurposed. Somebody was throwing that away and uh, uh, those shelves too. And so it's kind of fun to like repurpose uh, other people's trash and garbage or whatever. I wasn't garbage, by the way, I didn't get it out of the trash can. But finding little things in order to make the best. In fact, uh, this is something right here. Um, this is cool. This was from my dad's house when he where he used to live with my grandparents, and he had this all the way in from uh, Miami. And so it's a Miami Dolphins helmet. A cousin of his made it, so it's kind of a custom thing. Uh, you can see uh, I have some dolphin stuff on the wall, buck stuff too. That's my wife, and so uh, I have a little thing as well. So this was this was nice to be able to again repurpose old things, sharing that, and so uh, and it's always a cool opportunity to be able to you know help my parents whenever possible. So that was cool. And lastly, um, this is my new mug. I've been really drinking out of it since uh, not so much new anymore, but since the end of last year. Over there, right up there, that white one, that that guy. That was my uh, other mug that I drank of every year, uh, every day, every year since I started school up until I graduated. And it was a, I had a phrase on it, which was inspirational. And so this one does too, which is Greek uh, for pistos logos, faithful is the word, which was my focus on the dissertation. So it reminds me of uh, the work and reminds me of the lessons that I learned. Plus, it reminds me to just do that, right? Be focused on uh, the faithfulness of the word, the faithfulness of the Lord. Uh, believing, knowing that it will have an effect, a faithful effect on me. So those are just five quick things about this week. So the editing floor. This is going to be an interesting one because I didn't edit much this last week. I struggled. All right. I struggled. I prayed talking to Alicia because in trying to cover 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 1 through 40, which is 40 verses on Sunday, um, I easily saw three three sections that could have been three sermons in and of themselves. Um, but because of, you know, looking forward at my sermon calendar, which I adjust, I, I create a sermon calendar every single year, uh, but I plan in pencil. But when I was just looking overall at just kind of what I believe God is needing me to do, what are the needs of the people? Um, I was struggling to either break it up or keep it together, chose to keep it together uh, because some of the points that he was making in the first one were kind of connecting to the third one. Um, plus, we kind of left when I did my sermon on Ephesians. We did a section on Ephesians 5, ending chapter 5, and we were going to start starting this week. We were going to start uh, pick up where I left off and continue the idea because the idea of marriage and, uh, well, husbands and wives plays out between parents and kids and then in, in job employment. So I kind of didn't want to leave three weeks in between those two. I wanted to kind of keep that um, idea fresh in people's hearts. And so I chose to leave it. 
And uh, that was really tough. Um, shockingly enough, the sermon was shorter than the marriage one. Um, but it was um, it was encouraging and funny because uh, we had our one of our worship leaders. She was lead singing, and we were. Uh, she sang this song. Uh, I believe it's by um, Cody Carnes, and it's like you know. I think the chorus goes, you know, breathe on us, spirit come, Lord. You know, you are our heart's desire. And when when we sing that, especially when I sing that, I understand when it's breathe on us, it's Lord, reveal your word to us, inspire, uh, in you know, open up our eyes to your inspired word. Um, that's we're not, we don't need any other extra things outside of just help us to grow in understanding that very thing. Um, and we want, you know, you are our desire in the sense of. Not that the spirit is our desire, but the spirit's desire is our desire. That's what we desire to be, which is to know Christ and to grow in his likeness and image and to grow in conformity with Christ, which only the Holy Spirit can do. And uh, it was funny because it, uh, me and, and some of the people were joking that it didn't feel like a gentle breeze that God was breathing on us by the end of the sermon. It felt like a hurricane because it just struck straight to the heart, really shaking and challenging both married and unmarried to, you know, if I can describe it, and if anything else, it was literally an assault on our selfishness. It was an assault on the flesh. Flesh did not like it at all. But that's what God's word does. It is a scalpel. It is meant to, like Hebrew says, to slice and dice in so many ways possible. Um, and so there were, there wasn't much that I left out. There was one analogy I used many years ago. Um, thinking about it now, I wish I would have left it. Um, I don't know if uh, I wish I would have left it, but the idea of, oh, death, where is your sting? Uh, this death has been swallowed up in victory. Um, I had an analogy that I did uh, during Easter, during, I believe, uh, 2020 or 2021, during one of those quarantine shutdowns. Uh, it was 2021. And um, it was one on the B. And I was thinking, oh, that'd be a great analogy to be able to conclude this idea of 1 Corinthians, death, where is your sting? Because when bees, uh, some bees are, I think most bees, when they sting uh, a victim, there and they fly away that the stinger is remained in the victim but their guts and so many things are connected inside of the bee so when they fly away they kind of in essence you know harm themselves to the point that they're going to die and so i was thinking of using that as an analogy uh to describe how christ has taken the sting of death on the cross and he took it. And as death flew away, you know, as sin, death, the devil flew away, thinking they were winning, uh, they began to lose. And the devil's victory, apparent victory on the cross, actually sealed his own defeat. And uh, because, you know, God swallowed it up. And so I didn't, I didn't choose to do that. Instead, I kind of went uh, with a different route again. I, I, I don't know, maybe that's the cool thing about being subjective. It doesn't matter. See, at the end, it doesn't matter if I use the B analogy or, or the other one, right? Uh, of, well, in the same way that look at how death is reversed, you know, like death is what death is what consumes life. But now it is the risen savior. It is life that is going to consume death. And in the same way, the eternal love of God should consume our fears and anxieties and so many things, our, our sin itself. And so just kind of like seeing that was interesting. But I just hold to, I believe it was uh, Whitfield. Uh, I've heard some people say it differently as well, in that other people can preach, other people can preach, preach a better sermon. No one can preach a better gospel. And that's good encouragement to not just me, but for you in the sense of 
in the end, in the end, everyone's gonna, there's other people that will be able to say things and communicate the gospel, communicate Christ better than us, but no one can communicate a better gospel in that Christ Jesus died on the cross for sinners like us. And it's really the, the, it's really the Holy Spirit who takes our words and transforms life. So there was, um, there wasn't much, like I said, outside of the B thing, it's the only thing that I took out. But what was beautiful though, was I was so encouraged is when we were talking to different people at the end of the, at the end of the sermon in the lobby, uh, someone actually said, pastor, we were just talking about that topic in the lobby this morning. And they were like freaked out because of how God spoke. And now they were confused or had, and now they have such a greater understanding and they've just felt encouraged, like, like, like inhaled, you know, in that, in a good way, not in a bad way, but uh, they were encouraged with that problem or conversation they were having. And another person was telling me that there was a verse that was read that uh, in the context of first Corinthians in which someone had told it to them and they didn't understand it. But once we kind of saw it in the context, it was like, Oh, now I, now I get it. And so that was super encouraging. Like I said, cause I was nervous about, is this going to be too much? Um, but I did, there was something that happened uh, editing wise, not on the study, but live. And so I have a lot of uh, jazz books over here and I, just for fun as a hobby, I like to learn jazz. And there was just something about the, the magic and the improvisation that happens in jazz. Um, I don't like to improv in a sermon in the sense of, I don't want to improv like theological texts. I don't want to improv uh, things in which I've never thought about for the first time. Um, I don't want to make these authoritative statements without having confirmed it in prayer, confirmed it in scripture, confirmed it in um, church tradition or whichever ways. Um, and so I don't, I don't believe that kind of improv is good, but my sermons are always different. If I practice it 10 times, it would come out different, 10, 10 different times. And um, one of the things that I did was I edited something in the sense that I, I, I try to feel, I feel people, you know, uh, there's a principle that I want to try to hold on to is I, I want to make sure I'm connecting with people more than just communicating a point. Because if I just run through, communicate the points and, and they didn't get it and they didn't, then I didn't do my job as a pastor to feed the sheep. You know, I don't want to just kind of throw things out there and hey, they get it, they get it, it's on you. Um, so I try to balance. I try to see are, are people engaging. And when I kind of get this feel like I see more people leaning in than not, I slow down, maybe add a little bit more because I feel like, hey, oh, I got to strike while the, while the iron's hot. There's something there. There's a nerve that's being hit that the Holy Spirit's hitting. So let me just kind of linger there a little bit before I move on. Um, but there was something I had to do, which was uh, an interactive portion, like halfway through the sermon. I, I like to start the sermon sometimes being very interactive, a little Q&A. Um, we have a smaller congregation, so I can interact with people in that way. Um, who knows? Maybe if it gets better, I'll still do the same thing. Um, or I might do it more. I don't know. But I felt halfway through, I needed to change it up. So I started asking questions. And the, the reason why is because I, I had this feeling, the best way I can describe it was this feeling of when you're underwater, let's say you go swimming and you're underwater and you feel like, yo, I gotta, I'm running out of air. We need to come up for air so we can go back down again. Um, that's how I felt. And I felt like, all right, let's come to the surface really quick. Let's do something a little different. Let's interact. Uh, I improv a couple of, of jokes that were fitting. 
the jokes were not so much more to be liked or anything else like that. Uh, it, it actually felt very natural, which I tried to. I don't want to force uh, force funny or nothing like that. I want to I want to preach for um, burning hearts uh, for heartburn heartburn more than tickling a funny bone. Um, but it, it felt like we needed to get up, do something a little lighthearted. Let's get some air. Let's laugh for a minute, and then right back into the text. And so that was uh, that's what we did. And so it was. I thought it was, felt like it was needed, and it helped to be able to finish a little stronger in the end. And uh, I know I was encouraged, believing a lot of people were encouraged too. So, but that's the editing floor. And now to my favorite segment, which is with my favorite person sitting with the Soto Longos. Welcome to another episode of Sitting with the Sotolongos as we are here processing the most recent uh, sermon brought to you by Coke Zero. All right. It is our go-to, right? When did we start this? Coke Just Zero? drinking Coke when Zero I versus Coke. I started losing, when I started my weight loss journey about a year ago at this point. Like first no, no. Listen, I saw a video, I saw a video on TikTok that said uh, the Italians know how to drink Coke. They put lemon squeeze a lemon in their ice then add coke i do limes perfect yeah perfect anyway so guys uh we were talking about this last week focusing on singleness which is weird it's been what now 17 plus when did we start dating again 2005 2005 now i said again if you don't have no clue what we're talking about because we dated when we were 14 15 i was 15 she was 14 uh for it was a couple of years like we were together or ish in our lives mm -hmm. and so um then it was a four-year gap and so then we started dating again so yeah it's it's though it's been a long time since we've been single i feel like it was yesterday too i don't know Doesn't yeah it? no yes and no it was very different when we were being single back then was very different than being single today so I, well, true. that's why I feel yeah. like it's been longer because I can't relate to a lot of my single friends today. So. True. But I mean, in the sense of, I mean, it feels like. As far as like the dating I remember world. our world. I remember, yeah, I our, remember experiences our experience. Like if it was yesterday. Right. That's the thing. So the bottom line for this last Sunday was every single person, all right, not just single, but anybody, every single person must not look down at their status, but look up to their savior. So that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, is there a, just um, a general thing on how you were how God has been like helping you to process even that uh, that statement about looking down at our per present status or how you did even back then, which we're going to talk about a little bit right. in different ways. For me right now, I can honestly say that as much as I love him, as much as I love Tito, I hope. <laughs> um, if God forbid anything were to happen to him, I would be perfectly fine being single just continuing to focus on me and god raising my kids and i would be perfectly satisfied because i'm at that place with god that i feel like i can i remember someone asked i think it was your mom that when we were at in a i think it was an a retreat, was a retreat of some sort yeah yeah it was a retreat that she said something along the lines that god had asked her that if it was just her and him on an island for the rest of her life would she be happy and I remember being 15, thinking about that and thinking, "There, what? There's no way. But That's today I can I can answer that and say I would 1000% be okay yeah. with that scenario. Yeah. Today. Now, likewise, too. 
I hope so. Yeah, okay, likewise too. And that's no shame to somebody who would end up getting remarried again right, or anything right. like that, you know, because that's a little bit of a context. But yeah. but the important part is for both cases, it's no matter whether to remain single or even in your own relationship, is not looking down at your present status and thinking you need something else other yeah. than God. And that's what she was pointing to. Yeah. Which is exactly the, the the point there is not to look down at your status to be disappointed, not to look down at your status and feel any less than compared to someone right. else. But look up to Christ because that is the one the who can only truly complete you. Um, and so what we're going to look at today, which I thought was I wanted to review with you. There was five quick questions. We didn't spend a lot of time on this in the message because it was just like a quickie, you know, grab it, go. And we moved on to what was more important. But we offered and uh, focused on a few answers or a few tips, uh, questions to help you understand how do you know you're ready to get married? And so we're going to share those and kind of share our experience, like how we lived and apply those things. So for the question, how do you know you are ready to get married? Uh, question number one was this. Are you ready? Are you doing it out of conviction or compulsion? So compulsion, you want to speak, speak to that a little bit as like, you know, pressures and right. Like so how did you experience any pressure and compulsion when we were choosing to, you know, get married? And proceed? Well, I mean, of course, back then, like I said, that's why I feel it's very different, because even though I'm only 40, but when I was growing up 14, 15 in a, in a Hispanic family, we were pretty much raised as the girls to like learn to be a wife asap you know cooking cleaning the whole night so especially when i started dating that became like you know okay alicia when are you getting married you just graduated high school when are you getting married um then we finally start we meet up again after everything and oh, okay when are you guys getting married and i'm like chill um we'll get married when the time is is right but there was pressure for sure and it, it could have been very easily especially after we got back together because we did have these that we had a past and we had th this connection always yeah. to just get married immediately just because it was familiar and the pressure was was on. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I, I mean, I had some to some as well, like the there was when I went to when we were dating, but not we hadn't been. I know we weren't dating. We we're just talking. We were, we were friends getting looking to know at each other this, again. Like, round two and how this was going to go down. That was when I went to Christ for the Nations to study for nine months. And I know you were freaking out because there was, there's literally a thing. I mean, it, uh, every Christian school has this uh, culture of ring by spring. Okay. If yeah. you don't know ring by spring, it just means by graduation day, everyone's getting engaged. And a lot of times there is a big thing in a lot of Christian circles where you go to these universities, you go to these schools, not just to find the Lord. No, you go there to find your wife. You yeah. go there to find your husband. And I remember you're, you're kind of, freaking out about that yeah i had every right to especially in that time yep. when we were together i mean and then other people were t telling you like oh i hope right like that he finds somebody over yeah. there because they knew yeah. that she was an option yeah they pretty people. much yeah except for one person people. who i read that letter that they wrote to you and i was like thank you like it was one person that wrote you a letter you kept it in your wallet and it said don't go looking for your wife Shout and out, I was like, shout you. out Mark Schatzneider. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, because that was cool. He just kept me anchored on what mattered right. most, what mattered most. And so that was awesome. Um, And I did. That's exactly what I did. And I let it played out. But uh, yeah, so there was a lot of pressure, you know, especially because I hadn't you were my only girlfriend. I had I had I was experiencing a lot of pressure with, hey, you need to date somebody else. And, and the, 
you know, I, I, there were options, but it was like, I just didn't feel, you know, they didn't compare again. And so, um, but I, there was a lot of pressure, especially when I started talking to you, I felt a lot of compulsion, like saying, yo, you know, try a different flavor, you know, try something else. Um, but I don't know. It was just, uh, I didn't feel like I needed to. Uh, so I did have a lot of pressure like in that way. And, um, and so the opposite was despite the, despite the compulsion to get married, mm-hmm. um, how did you feel like you made it by conviction? Like what, what helped you to understand or feel like, okay, you know, I feel right. This is the right thing to do. Because that's what Paul was talking about in Corinthians. Like, choose to get married if you feel like it's the right thing to do, if you're convinced. Um, and so how did you feel like it was conviction, not compulsion? Well, one, because before we officially started dating, I took time for myself to do other things, to actually find my myself with God again and, you know, uh, restore that relationship. We have Jack have our next dog to here. us. Um, um so I wanted to have that time with with God, even though he was he was ready to start dating again. I was not ready to start dating, even if it was him. So I was definitely risking him going away. But then again, I, I said this before, if it wasn't going to be him, then I know whoever it was, it was going to be who God had for for me. But um, so one once I came to this place with God again and um. I don't know. Like I, I fell in love with God before anything. I, I truly fell in love with God, and I started to understand what a relationship is supposed to be, how, where God fits into my life now, where I can feel like I have space to add someone else into my life who is gonna not complete me, but you know, it's gonna bring this package thing kind of together. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, and that was honestly, even that uh, I remember there was a conversation that we were having because, I mean, look at that. Like you could have felt compulsion for me. Right. Because yeah, to, you were ready. I was yeah not. to start dating and start talking. So that could have been compulsion. Like you said, you had to learn to no, I didn't feel it didn't that feel felt right. like yeah. not that I was in, imposing anything, no. but it was one that you felt like, no, this is not the right conviction. Um, and then I remember we were talking about because it was in that moment actually is what let me know. There it is. Because if she's not choosing me because she wants to hold him. All right. <laughs> because if he's not, well, you want has he been on the show yet? I think people know. Say hi, Daniel. Right, there he is. Say hi. What the? <laughs> okay. If he, um, not if he, if, uh, if she was willing to make that choice and sacrifice, then I knew it was like, yo, that's, that's an option right there. That That is a great characteristic for somebody that was willing to put Christ before me. And so I'm like, that's it. I'm good. I'm convinced. So that was a huge, that was a huge um, tell for me. Um, and I know and I have another thing that I can yeah. add to that, which is that um, when I came, um, when I came back from my first missions trip, and I was again like I was just serving God. And when I had come back from my missions trip, and we, I remember I was at work, and um, I just felt this urge that I had to. I felt just this this conviction at that point it was conviction but good conviction in a way to call him and to just kind of like share what my past was in those four years that we weren't together and I kind of knew like okay this is going to be I guess how he reacts to what I have to tell you I guess that would kind of let me know like where we where we really stand and if this is going to even 
really work, you know? And when I was able to share, I remember you came over to that, my Chris, house. The way you day. prepared it, honestly, I was like, oh my gosh. I was, like, I mean, you kind of hyped it up to a certain extent. And I was like, well, it was a big deal for me. No, but like I mean, deal. in my, the way you popped it in my head, it was like, I don't know. It's like, what is she going to say? <laughs> and so, and, um, but anyways. So, yeah. So when you came over and I shared with you, you know, that I had been through some, uh, trauma in my last relationship and that, you know, I felt like I maybe, I, I don't know how he was going to feel about what I had gone through. And if he was going to look at me like in a way well, damaged, damaged goods. Yeah, exactly. That was what like, you, you know, felt. Like yeah, I you... felt like who's going to want me? I'm this broken person, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And so his reaction to it and his, um, your answer to me was kind of in a way my like, okay, like this is, this is my person. So that's cool. And so, um, and, and there was, you know, it was, it was only, let me say it this way. It was only that conviction of who you were and that we prayerfully considered all these things that helped us to really manage the, the compulsion to, to get married, when to get married and right. not to, because right. there was a lot of voices and pressure for us <laughs> not to get married and yeah. and um, and that was another thing too, because it was a it was a big prayer that we had asked. You know, we had put things and we agreed on it. Was like, Lord, we really, you know, our heart and desires for these just this this one thing to line up, which was a very general, very basic thing. You know, it wasn't anything like, Lord, you know, I pray that we get all the green lights or something ridiculous for it to be a sign. It wasn't a sign. We we're just like saying this is a desire of our heart, which we knew was uh, was something to, that would honor Him, and and yeah. and so that was pretty cool that it went down. So. So uh, conviction over compulsion. All right. What about this one? Uh, are you were you willing to pay the price of me versus we? Now, that was a difficult one. But obviously, the idea of getting married is understanding it's not just me alone. You know, it's not just about us. It's or in, as an individual, it's about the other. And so, you know, willing to kind of lay everything down. And so um, I don't know. How, how, how do you feel like? So for me, again, being that we got married so young, 23, I understood that I that, you know, biblically what the Bible said about two becoming one. I understood that we would be sharing a lot of things. I understood a lot of that concept. You know, we're sharing a home. We're sharing sharing bills. Money. Like I can't just go spend twenty dollars on my nails like I would have if I was single or, you know, certain things are going to be different. But I would say that this is like an this this me for we is I feel it's an ongoing process. Yeah. Like it, you never fully arrive because you're human and there's always that selfish side of you that you have to, you know, die, kill. And remember, this is a you and I, me and you thing. But especially when we were younger, it was very much, I was learning the like quickly that I was very much about me, not intentionally. I wasn't trying to be selfish, but when you're used to living in our case, home with our parents single and we never lived with each other before that we were learning a lot about each other and having to like merge two different styles of being raised two different yeah. things preferences. preferences and that's when i started to realize wow i'm i'm i have a lot of me in this situation um and 17 years later i we're definitely way more we but there are always signs here and there that pop up of the you know wanting yeah. to be selfish but i think yeah, that that's always. a very con like throughout your relationship you're constantly growing and hopefully you're growing stronger in the we than the me yeah i mean and you have to be conscious you know very conscious about it mm -hmm. because 
uh, again, our default setting with our flesh is always to do that. And so uh, I know that, I guess, you know, at the very beginning, and that's what led to the conviction thing, which was helped with this, you know, to at least, you know, for, for me as well, you know, dying to the paying the price of me was being willing to say, okay, I'm not going to try to really, let's say, give it a couple more years and, and explore and see, let's, let's really see, you know, let me give, let me give it a shot. You know, if there's anybody else, yeah. um, that was that, that conviction of who you were was enough for at the beginning. And it still is. And that's the, that's the part of the conviction is, is that that's, it's important because like, well, like what you were saying, that has to be an ongoing thing. And that's where that conviction goes to motivate. Like she or he, you know, they are worth um, whatever right, this is, this right. is not as important as the other. Right. And so anything else you want to add to that or I think I'm good. All right. Uh, the other one, are you getting married for love or lust? All right. That was a big deal, obviously, in the sense of, are you choosing this? Are you choosing somebody based on true love or on this idea of love? And so, you know, lust can be not just a uh, physical yeah. attraction. It could just be again, the, the fantasy, you know, the fantasy of, you know, what it could be, what it might be, what, you know, all those things. Um, but we, we can go a lot of different ways on this one. I mean, mm -hmm. how do you want to go? Um, I don't know. I think for this one, um, I don't know. I don't know. You decide, actually. I'm, I'm just being real. I don't Man. know. I don't know which way to go. Golly. Okay. All right. Um... So this one, I, I, this one be a little unique in the in the sense that, um, obviously, you know, haven't always been, you know, gorgeous. It's been for me, you know, for me and for you know, a lot. You've always had that, and so the physical aspect was never a problem. In fact, that actually was a thing that intimidated me. You know, remember when we first were fifteen? We we met on a blind date, fifteen and fourteen, and I. I kind of saw pictures and already when I saw a picture, this was, I did not get a picture, but yeah, well, I got pictures. Maybe it's a good thing you didn't. But, uh, and so when I got a picture about a week or two before, um, that actually freaked me out because I'm like, she don't look 14. She looks 21. <laughs> and so in my head, I was like excited, but at the same time, like, cause I had never gone on a date before, like nothing, this was it. And I was freaked out. And so, I mean, I remember we had a great time and all that stuff. I didn't ask for your number because I didn't even think she wanted it. Like, I mean, literally, I had the second I saw the picture, I, I chucked that idea. I'm like, listen, I'm just going to try to enjoy the day. Let me see if I can learn or something to apply to the next one. I'm taking notes. I don't know. Um, but so that was an interesting thing in that um, I wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't a, a big uh, issue issue there. Um and and then the, the funny part is the ongoing joke is when I brought her to my first homecoming because I went to it. She went to a public school and I went to a really tiny Baptist school and um, you put me on the map at my school. That's what the rumor oh always gosh. is. And so they were like, wait, I mean, that's when people really say, yo, who's this dude that yeah, he can pull her? And so, <laughs> it was true. And so. Um, so anyways, so I could have easily I could have easily just settled. And being like, you know what? I love the idea of you. Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, you elevate, like being around you 
kind of elevates me, you know, like people look to me or look at me like I, I could have easily let that get into my head. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, everyone's acknowledging because I got you on my arm or this or that. Um, but honestly, as much as because of the flesh, I mean, lust is always going to be even right. um, temptation, all that stuff. It's always going to be an issue. But it was it was you. It was who you were that always, even from the first time that we met, really took me by surprise and so um do you know what you want to say now or well yeah for me so. i mean because we did we have talked about this that before for me like you said um going to a public school um if you were a girl that didn't look your age you were very much always um attracted attention but all for the wrong reasons like they don't want a relationship with you they want something from you type of thing and for me I don't know what was going on in his head, but his actions and just his words were very were just about me, like our, like our personality, like our our we made each other laugh, like we got each other, um, and I didn't feel like he was looking at me lustfully or just looking about, you know, what what I can what you can get from from me outside of you know I mean physically we were emotionally in connected, which made it easy to kind of fall in love with that aspect of our relationship so that's where i felt like wow this guy is different i don't feel like you're just trying to pursue something with me for one thing only you know so that was i think that was important for me yeah i remember it was right over here up up in our uh, backyard that we were we were re reflecting on this i'm like because what was it that in our 14 15 years old that we had what was it that anchored us to the point that any girl that the thought of dating anybody else was like literally not appetizing you know at all like it was zero motivation um like i would have been at one point i would have been happy by myself at that point i ain't, ain't gonna lie i had got to there um and then vice versa you know like saying because with the you know with with the attention or with the, the time in between um you know because even when, even those four years apart, like, you know, I had confessed, you know, I never stopped, uh, you know, thinking about you. And likewise, you know, even when you were, um, it was a different situation, you know, you, you still were able, yeah, was able I spent to a lot of time. I spent a lot of time comparing yeah. um, how I was, how he treated me versus how I was in that current relationship, yeah. how I was feeling and being treated. And, and one of the things that we, this is just something from us talking that we kind of discovered, which was a really cool moment in that you just said it it's like you you said that i i was i was my first guy best guy i don't know whatever you pick the Both. that saw you beyond just the outside but right. saw you right like you saw me for who i really was i could feel i could be my goofy genuine like people that don't know me don't know that yeah. i'm actually a goofball like i love to just, yeah, you always called yourself a dork. Yeah, I literally did call myself a dork, one thousand percent. Like that's just, yeah. I love that. And he, I felt like I could do that around him, and he wasn't looking at me like weird. He he saw yeah. me for for me, and vice versa. Because in the opposite way, like I did not, I did not get that kind of attention. I did not get, um, you know, that was the over. It was the complete opposite. And that day when we first met, it was when I really felt like you saw me and. And I could be because I, I don't have that natural 
you know, suave. Let me even now I'm just stuttering. You know, I don't have that. It's, it's not come to me that way. You know, my game, my game is more stronger in the third quarter, third, fourth quarter than, you know, then first quarter. It don't work. Um, and so that was to be very nerdy, even in some ways. Mm-hmm. And you I didn't never felt judged by that or I never felt okay okay I never you never made me feel like you're running out the clock right you know like like I you know I'm out of your league or anything like that and it was a genuine it was a genuine interest interest in 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 both you know mm-hmm. in both the in both the physical and in the um, the personal yeah and so I, I think that's easily why I could have been you know this ain't just about lust you know right. it, it it was love and so right. that was a uh, was a big deal all right. Um, all right. Now, this uh, well, the fourth question was, does the other person pass the test? And so that was, you know, obviously I kind of, yeah, I kind of questions that. that we did. Yeah. I but that's of, important to process because right. it's one thing for you. But do you know that other person and how are they going through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one. And then this is where we anchored on the ending one, which you've been talking about, which is the, the bottom line as well. Does Christ complete you? And, you know, like I said, it's like I knew that. And, and likewise, for the both of us, like it was easier to make a decision despite all the nonsense and in the in fears too. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I remember like the day, um, the day before we got married, mm-hmm. like that's when I started to freak out. Uh, yeah. Same. I remember I was, when we were together, we were playing volleyball in the pool at my parents. That house. was the night before. That was the night before. No, that's not, no. That, that was the, the week of, yeah, that was the week of, that was the week of, yeah. The week of we were it's playing like Thursday before the yeah the, the rehearsal dinner yeah, all that the stuff that's dinner. what it was so it was a, like two days before so we were playing volleyball. night oh, volleyball game with my it was like my parents yeah. my brother my I had a few other a family members there and then when you went home and like I knew I wasn't gonna the next time I was gonna see you was gonna be at the rehearsal dinner and then that would be the next day would be the wedding I remember that's when I was like I was stopped looking I remember seeing everyone in the pool my family and it kind of hit me like. Um, in like two days, like I'm, I'm going to cry even thinking about it in two days, like this is not going to be my home anymore. Like, I'm not going to have this time like this like with my family anymore. Yeah, like that's I'm, it was, it was kind of sad. Like, I'm like, Whoa, like it hit me. Like, am I really ready to like do this? And I mean, of course I was, but it's just that moment hit me hard. Like I'm, this is not my home anymore. And doing stuff like this with my family obviously we still do stuff like that but it's not i don't see my parents every day anymore you know and so that was when it really hit me hard like does this person really complete me do i really want to (laughs) go but no for sure i that was that was mine was the night of the rehearsal dinner i went home and that's when i knew i'm gonna go to bed and i'm gonna wake up and get married that's when i'm like like my brain was on not i could not like it was did you sleep i don't think you slept i actually I, I did, did sleep. i did i got like four or five hours yeah, you know i, I got four I or five hours but i went good. to bed like at three and so but that was my freak out moment and, and so it was a little bit of that freak out because it just felt so real like this is it there's no turning back kind of a thing or not that there's no turning back it almost felt like this is the last chance to turn back itch yeah. you know if the, and you know <laughs> I guess, and yeah. so that was very weird because it's it is such a big deal and i knew it's like yo this is you know till death to do us part. I mean, I wanted to mean that. Yeah. And not only that, again, there was just, again, the, the, just the unknown, you know, it's like, yo, did I, am I choosing? Well, right. did I choose? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but one of the things that helped us, I'm sure it helped me. I'm sure you could say the same thing that helped us to 
maneuver all of those complicated external and internal pressures was that answer D- does did christ complete us mm-hmm. and like i said you, you we both said it yeah. you said you had to get to a place before you even began to date me you had to get to a place where you know what if i'm going to choose god right now and if you can't wait then you're not worth it pretty much yeah. or you're not the guy and right. so and then vice versa you know i remember it's like yo i don't want to get i don't want to even date until I got to that point. And, you know, I'm I'm a slow learner. So it took me four years. I think it took you like four months ish or whatever. It was not four years. And so it, I'm a slow learner like that. And so it took me a minute. Um, but I remember that's when I was like, All right, I think I'm ready to, to date now, because if I want to date, it's to be able to just kind of get to know people and see because if we we always approach dating as not something casual to do because you're bored or you just want to have romantic feelings, right. but this is, you would pursue something and pursue someone in light of getting married. And so I always had that approach. And so the crazy part is when I'm like, right, I think I'm ready now. Um, two weeks later, it, we just happened to just, it was a crazy providential coincidence and then I'm like, oh, okay. And so, and then from there it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a key, key, key situation. Yeah, so. because I didn't have, I only had two real serious boyfriends in my, in my life, only two. And you were one of them. Yeah. And um, I, again, I was never into dating just to date casually. If I was going to date you, it's because I'm not trying to, you know, break up in two months. I, I, you know, that was, if you ask my parents, I was always gonna marry the the guy i was with because i'm i don't why do you want to just date and break up and date and break up like i like no i'm i'm a loyal person i'm in this i'm in it sometimes a little too loyal but um i've only had two boyfriends in my life and he he was one and i sorry jack is being weird Mm -hmm. um i remember knowing that when god brought you back i was like that pressure everyone was like oh my gosh she came back it has to be for a reason but I just knew I wasn't I wasn't there I wasn't ready and I needed God before I I could have a you in my life so yeah very cool and so yeah so I just want to encourage you guys whether you are single or married like the application says don't look down at your status whether you you're still a virgin or you're not anymore whether you are uh single you know or maybe your marriage isn't compared to somebody else's right or you're divorced and whatever the situation is uh we don't look down at our status and just mourn or just look and feel any less than no look up to christ and so that was the big application because he's the only one that not just can um what's the word we always been using is complete you but he's the only one who can who can truly love you completely and right. truly completely forgive you of your sins and and fill in all those gaps and so it's a big yeah. deal and that's when you know so hopefully it was helpful all right until next time bye. All right, say bye jack say bye <laughs> the topic of singleness is a very it's not simple all right it is a complicated one on how can christians be single uh and be faithful at the same time Um, And so I just want to encourage you, if you are single, what kind of seeds are you sowing in your singleness? Because it will reap and show itself in your future marriage uh, at one point or another. And it might keep you single if, you know, depending on the seeds, if you sow seeds of selfishness. Uh, But that applies for any one of us. You know, what seeds are we sowing and really what seeds are being sown inside of us? All right. And ultimately, the seeds that should be sown inside of our hearts and minds is that of God's word and who he is, because the more we grow in that understanding in the faithful word, the more the word will have a faithful effect 
in transforming us and molding and shaping us in the, into the likelihood and likeness of Christ so that we can be faithful witnesses in the world. So until next time, I just want to encourage you to be faithful to the word, believing and knowing that the Lord will be faithful to do a good and mighty work in and through you.